Blog Talk Radio. And welcome back to another special edition of the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show World Cup Qualification Post-Match Show As the United States fall to Panama At the Estadio Romel Fernandez By a final of a goal to nil Joined again by Carter Krishnire From World Soccer Talk um, This is the one thing that really bothers me About this loss, Kardik It's not that they... I. I I don't know if they were ready for this or not, but there was no energy. Everything was lacking with the ball. No second chance at all on the ball whenever they had an opportunity. They they looked very lethargic. I don't know if it was the pitch. I don't know if there was extra mud on the pitch. I don't know if it's the rainy season down there. I don't know if it's uh, the humidity that was getting them. But we saw absolutely nothing from this group. Yeah, uh, Daniel, uh, if I'm Thomas Christensen managing Panama, I'm actually disappointed. My, my, I mean, I'm elated that I got the three points, but why they didn't put the U.S. Uh, away earlier is, is a, uh, a great question uh, because the U.S., uh, I mean, this was as bad. This was 90 minutes that was as bad as the first half in San Pedro Sula. Probably the least I can remember the U.S. attacking in a World Cup qualifier since maybe the match in at Azteca when uh, when Brad Buzan came up with a bunch of saves. That was a couple goals ago. That was, I think, 20, 2013. Um, it just one-way traffic. Uh, we weren't winning any of the second balls, which is which is a lot of desire. Uh, the pitch, by the way, I thought was in pretty good shape for a CONCACAF pitch. I was actually surprised. I was expecting – a worse pitch. Maybe the U.S. was expecting a worse pitch, too, and they weren't uh, prepared to play on a, on a nicely manicured pitch. Um, I, I, maybe they were uh, spooked by the crowd. It was a good crowd. Um, I don't know. I think, in particular, I was disappointed with uh, the midfield uh, and with uh, the defending of the outside backs. And I know um, the decision was made, and I agree with the decision to leave Anthony Robinson uh, behind in, in uh, 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 so that he can go to Columbus because he will then, if, if he came to Panama, it's a red list country, he's uh, not yep. able to go back to Fulham for a couple weeks. Um, and then the same thing with, uh, who else do we have that plays in England? Zach Stefan. I mean, that didn't affect us as much, but I think we talked about Robinson on the last show. I mean, I think he's been one of the leaders of this group. And um, George Bellow had a, had a tough night with Quintero down the left side. Oh, our left side, their right side. And then, uh, geez, I, I think on the, left, on the right side, DeAndre Yedlin has not been good for the U.S. He's been a better player at the club level than he has been at the national team level. And we see consistently him making mistakes at the national team level. But this was a tough ask for Shaq Moore, uh, a young player, a player who doesn't have much first division experience in terms of uh, top leagues at the club level. I don't think he was terrible. Um but he was—he uh, had a rough night, and then I would say Kellen Acosta was about as bad as he looked since 
in this stint with the national team, right? Acosta's been uh, in, out, in, out. Uh, he was really poor. I thought Leggett was good. I know I'll get a lot of heat for that. And people will say, oh, well, you know, he's your boy, so you think he, you'll always defend him. But I thought he was actually the one player that was kind of functional in that midfield. Moussa gave us nothing. Um, and then the question that I know everyone's going to ask is why Zardis over Pepe? And um, maybe we'll get into that. That's, uh, look, the well, game was terrible uh, in midfield, so I don't know that Pepe would have gotten the kind of chances he's gotten in the previous two games. Still, you have to ask that question. So, yeah, Daniel. No, I mean, I mean, let's go into it right now. And the truth is that, I mean, what do you want Zardes to do? I mean, the point is, is that this is not a regular World Cup qualification situation where it's only two matches per window. Yep. It's yeah, three, exactly. which means that you have to manage, for the first time ever as a national team head coach, you have to manage the minutes. You cannot burn out Ricardo Pepe and not have him available for the third game in Columbus against Costa Rica, where you're going to need him to probably start that match on Wednesday night at lower.com. You need to win your home games and you don't need to win your away games. Okay. Let's just keep that in perspective. So the fact that we didn't, he sat Pepe tonight. We didn't take Robinson because of, uh, the, the, uh, the, the protocols in the U.K., red list, and we didn't take McKinney because yep. of potential injury problems. I, I think I agree with those decisions, to be honest with you, but I know we're in the minority if we say we agree with those decisions. Well, listen, yeah, I mean, look, Greg has to do a lot of things here. And once again, it is always going to be about managing minutes. Now, when we get to November – That gets thrown out the window because we go back to a regular qualification window with two games instead of three. But back to this one. I agree. I completely agree with what Greg did. He had no choice. He had no choice. You you have to manage the minutes. Because if you this qualifier, I explained this to someone earlier who said, oh, who cares what happens at Fulham? The reason Anthony Robinson, as we mentioned on the show Thursday night, is playing as well as he is for the U.S. right now is because he is hitting a run of form at the club level. Now, if you take him to Panama and he, sh- and he sets foot in that country tonight, he, cannot, he has to quarantine for two weeks when he goes back to London. What does that mean? That means he loses his place at Fulham. Maybe the guy who replaces him does better than him. And then we don't have our left back playing in- regularly for the next set of qualifiers. I completely agree with this because somebody – I got into a big fight on DM with Twitter about the Anthony Robinson thing, saying, well, who cares if he has to quarantine? Uh, who cares if, Fulham, if, if that hurts Fulham? I'm like, no, it, it, it hurts us. The reason Robinson's been playing so well is he's playing 90 minutes for Marco Silva every match at Fulham. He hit a, he, he hit a run of form in September, came to the national team, but won us that game – or, you know, got us the goal, set up the goal – against uh, Canada, uh, helped win us the game in Honduras, and really helped win us the game against uh, um, uh, Jamaica. Yeah, so I completely agree with you. And this is a three – this three-match thing is difficult. If you even see in Europe, uh, when they've had the three matches, you see heavy rotation even among the top teams, even among the Italys and the Englands and the Germanys and the Frances. That's just the way it is with this this, this, uh, scheduling. That's it. That's all you can do. And people have to understand, if you 
say, well, I don't care what he does at Fulham. You better care. You have to. This, this is what happens when you have all these players coming over from Europe where if – you know, this is a whole different situation. This is a completely yeah. different situation with the coronavirus, and people have to understand this. This coronavirus knocked out a full year of qualification for the World Cup whether it be in you know, the second round of World Cup qualification or the third round of qualification, you know, this is what happens when you're forcing CONCACAF, first things first, the original setup was you had at least the top six that were ranked in CONCACAF going automatically to a hex, and then everyone else is yeah. fighting for that playoff half spot. I mean, you can't do that in CONCACAF. They intentionally tried to just, you know, rig the entire qualification system. And if not for the pandemic, we wouldn't have something like this. So that people have to understand yeah. it's a good thing. It was also a bad thing when this pandemic hit not only in our region but around the world. And now you have a point where you've got countries going against other countries. And people also have to understand this, Cardick. People have to remember – what happened when Argentina went to visit Brazil for their World Cup qualification match in Conmebol? As soon as the match got played, what happened? The Brazilian government raided the match because two to four different Argentines ply their trade in club football in England because Brazil, yeah. England red flags Brazil, Brazil red flagged England, Argentina FA, AFA had to lie a little bit because they wanted their players to play in this World Cup qualification. They came over from Venezuela to Brazil and then that happened as soon as the match started. Chaos ensued. Yeah. Government interference didn't happen, and you cannot have the Panamanian governmental officials or the Minister of Health from Panama coming in to say, we're going to stop this match. We don't care what you say. We don't care what our feder soccer federation says. We are going to get Anthony Robinson. We're going to get Zach Steffen. Oh, yeah, and someone even said, how come Josh Sargent's not in this game? Because he now plays at Norwich. He plays at Norwich which means he would have been available or eligible for this match either. And could you imagine if those three were the cause of the whole situation that we would have had Brazil against, you know, uh, against Argentina with the health of the health minister times, you know, part two. I mean, this is, you got to understand you cannot risk players ability to have a starting job, get threatened like this. Yes. And it's one match in a 14-match qualifying uh, uh, circuit. And I'm going to say this. With the exception of the very top national teams, uh, Belgium, who I don't think will be ranked number one in the world anymore after they, lost, they blew that two-goal lead against France the other day in the Nations League. But with the exception of really Belgium and maybe Brazil and South America, and, of course, they didn't have to play that game against Argentina. We got boarded for the reasons you said. Maybe there aren't. There aren't many national teams that don't get to have these dips. Even France has had some trouble in qualifying uh, this cycle. Spain had a game against Georgia, which they had to pull out at the end. They also had a draw against Greece, which no one could believe. Those two teams were playing the final today in the Nations League. In this, in this new pandemic world, 
where you you don't really have your full allotment of players ever, and you have three matches in an international break, um, everybody is having problems with the exception of one or two countries. Now, that having been said, the U.S. performance was terrible, the guys who were there. And again, maybe Shaq Moore, maybe he wasn't ready for this. I thought he was okay, though. I don't want to single him out. Um, uh, but uh, Bello, who, again, was playing because Robinson couldn't go to Panama, um, was, had a really rough game. I think Acosta, um, I think with Acosta, maybe he needs either McKinney or Adams playing with him in that midfield, right? So um, right. I think Leggett was pretty good, and Leggett was actually tracking back and doing a lot of good defending. But um, really poor uh, performance from, uh, from Acosta. Uh, Zardes didn't get much service going forward, but again, he, um, his marking on the set piece was on the goal. Because Panama, it feels like Panama, um, it feels like, you know, so Panama's goal comes off a set piece, which is inexcusable, yep. the marking, because Panama had three or four really good chances to score goals in the first half, and their finishing was so poor. You know, I went to halftime, Daniel, thinking, my gosh, we, we might escape this, because uh, Panama's not clinical in front of goal, and, and they weren't even in the second half. It's just that the one set piece, uh, Zardes loses his mark, and, and you get the goal. And, uh, and I think the, the other thing that, 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 that bothered me was that there was a real um, inability of the U.S. Um, to play out of the back in this game, which we know Greg wants to do. We know Berhalter wants to do. Uh, the, the, the Panamanian front line um, was, was really good in terms of uh, uh, their pressing. Gondola was, was really good in, in, in space, right, on the ball, uh, other than his inability to finish. But I felt like um, uh, Blackburn and Quintero, mentioned Quintero uh, a little while ago, uh, Godoy when he pushed up, and of course he got the goal. I felt like these guys were really good in the counter-pressing game, a lot more energy than our guys had. Uh, Panama was coming off a real bad result the other night. I think this was the game that they felt like they had to uh, they had to get something from. So it may also be just a circumstance. You know, we're coming off a big win. They were coming off a match where we, you know, we were really surprised by the result. We felt like they uh, they, they 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 underperformed and were in trouble in this uh, in this group. So they also wanted it more. But so. Going back to one point you made at the very outset, uh, Daniel, the, the one thing that is inexcusable, we can make all these excuses about, hey, you, you don't take Stefan or Robinson because the authorities might, might call off the game. That's absolutely true. And if they don't, Robinson, I, Stefan's not really playing for Man City, but Robinson would be out for two weeks with Fulham. We can't have that. Uh, it's important no, he, he can't. plays. Uh, and, he, and he's been playing great, as I said. Um, but the problem, the thing I want to highlight with uh, – that you mentioned at the outset is the 50-50 balls. I would say of the 50-50 yep. balls, uh, Panama won maybe 80% of them. I that's agree with you that. I mean, that's not, that's, that's not, yep. there, there's nothing tactical about that. That's just guys no. that don't have the energy, don't have it. I mean, I don't know what happened, whether it was something at the hotel or something in the locker room or just is it the humidity yeah. that was down in Panama that sapped yeah, their energy yeah. as soon as the match got underway. I mean, I don't know what it is that happened. I mean, that opening 45 was very cringeworthy, Cardick. It was really, really tough to watch that and, and opening I, I, 45. No. And the only... Oh, sorry. One other thing I wanted to mention, Daniel, sorry to jump in, but I think that opening 45 um, – 
if Matt Turner's not the goalkeeper and it's Zach Stefan, I'm thinking Panama gets one of those goals. I, I think Turner yeah. was fantastic. His positioning was good. Um, obviously, there was yes, one was. before halftime where that was going in, and, and, and he got a hand to it, strong hand to it. Yep. So um, I do want to say, because I know this whole show is going to be negative other than this, Matt Turner is continuing to impress me. He's our number one for, for me. For, he is. For good now. Absolutely. He's the guy. No, absolutely. Let me, let me go to Matt Turner. Let me go to Matt Turner. For him. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the point I'm trying to make here. This is, the, this is exactly the point I'm trying to make here. I'm not making it into a MLS players are better than European-based American players. I'm not making that. I'm not trying to have a, you know, a, a, de- a debate or a battle against anyone that feels everyone that comes, to ML, comes out of MLS or comes to the national team from MLS that they suck because they play in MLS. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you cannot turn a blind eye if a certain player on the national team is getting minutes in our domestic league, whether you love it or you hate it because of the situation that we're always going to talk about. But the point is, is this. Is Matt Turner getting minutes? Yes. Is he making saves? Yes. Did Is his positioning better than Stefan's right now? Yes. Anything and everything that Matt Turner has done in MLS – up to the point where he finally gets his national team moment in this past summer's Gold Cup, and he's only given up, I mean, in, the, in these past games, and that includes the friendly um, before 2020 was over with against El Salvador, and he stops a penalty against El Salvador in a 5-0 win. Matt Turner has only coughed up four goals, Cardick, including tonight. But the fourth one was not even his fault because Jossie Zardes blocked his vision trying to defend that ball. If Giassi Zardes does not defend that ball and it does not go off of him, Matt Turner's there to parry the ball away from the goal line. Period. Absolutely, period. Yeah, Godoy found a nice little pocket on that corner. You know, I'm sitting here watching the match saying Panama had, I, I can't even count the number of corners they had in the first half. And they kept and they, time and again, they couldn't beat the first guy. And then towards the end of the half, there was that sequence where they, they had a couple corners where I think uh, uh, Turner had to make a save on one of them. That was another big save he made. Um, so I kept thinking, you know, why, when is Panama going to go with a short corner to try and get, move us out of position, which is something I like seeing, particularly in the Premier League and in European League, because you get the defenders to move. They kept putting the ball in the mixture, and I guess it's because they realized that uh, Zardes and, uh, and, and, and Wea are really poor set-piece defenders. They must have picked up on that in the first half. So Steve Turner had to make, well, it was because there were, the U.S. attacking players were losing their mark uh, on set-pieces. So, um, look, I, I, I've, if, if I'm, uh, like I said, if I'm Panama, I'm, I'm elated I won, but then I'm at the same time a little concerned that my, if I'm Thomas Christensen, who's a manager I watched, pretty closely at Leeds United. So he's, unlike most CONCACAF managers, I'm really familiar with his, his style. Um, I, I'm a little concerned that my guys couldn't finish those chances, or maybe it's just that Turner was that good. Um, but, but back to us, I think the question now comes back about the need to have a ball winner as a number six. Now, I kept saying it's okay to have guys that recycle possession in that in that role, whether it's the Kyle Beckerman, whether it's the Sasha Kleitstein, if you want to drop him deeper back, back in the day, now a Will Trapp, 
uh, now a guy like Acosta or Adams. But maybe we do need to have the old-style Chris Armas, dare I say it, Chris Armas, Rico Clark, U.S. ball winner for these away matches. Because it, every time Panama um, pressed high, got a turnover, like we said, they were winning 80% of the 50-50 balls. It was off to the race, three-on-one, three-on-two. They were breaking right through the midfield, jailbreaks. Uh, and, again, you know, we're fortunate with only one nil. So, um, what is your thought, Daniel? I mean, I, I'm thinking that that might be a subject that, that uh, we talk about now. Do we need that guy that's the ball winner there as a number six? And who is that guy? Right now, I don't know who that guy is, but I will say this right now. You talked in the past about how everything that Greg Berhalter does with this national team hinges on the health of Tyler Adams because if Tyler's not out yeah, there, sure. there's a problem. And the problem showed, yeah. it, it showed itself in the opening 45 because I'm telling, you something, I'm telling you right now, if we had a player, and I will say this, I know he's play, he plays for Venezuela and he also plays for the Red Bulls and Christian Caceres Jr. If we had a player like Christian Caceres to at least – be second behind Tyler and equal to what Tyler does, I think the at least the U.S. gets a goal in the first half. At least gets a goal in the first half. If not, then at least he'll find a way to prevent that goal from happening for Panama. And, you know, they don't go against the run of play against us. Because as soon as Tyler Adams came in and Brendan Aronson came in, you saw the lifelessness finally perk up and say, you know what? They're now bringing life to the, to the team. They're doing things for the team, big-time things for the team. You're seeing their energy becoming huge, and there's no problem whatsoever. Okay, maybe we are going to get that goal. But what happened? As soon as they went into the, against the run of play, and they earned that corner, and they snuck it in with the help of Zardes, uh, deflecting the ball in past Matt Turner, the, the, the energy on the pitch died. It yeah. died. That was... Pepe came in late in the match, and you know that one little moment he had, unfortunately, went wide to the back post. But other than that, the entire second half died. Yeah, I, um, I don't know what happened psychologically. You know, I thought after the goal, because Panama had been the better team. So no, no doubt about it for 60 minutes. And we were hanging on. We were hanging on. They get the goal, kind of a, a freakish thing with Zardes. But, I, again, I, I think Panama deserved their lead, even if, even if the goal wasn't the highest quality goal because they were all over us. But I thought at that point we were going to switch on. We made the changes. Yedlin um, came in, you know, made a good run, set up Pepe. Uh, but then after that, yeah, the last 15 minutes, it looked like we were trying to get out of there. Um, without any more damage done in, in, in a way, right? And, and it felt like um, there was also a, um, a number of players that when Pepe came in, they have now gotten accustomed to him bailing them out in the last two matches, who thought, okay, we're just going to let him do his thing. So there was one, key, uh, one passage of play where, where – um, there's, a, there's an Aaron Cross. Pepe has to go out wide to his left side. He has to then take a defender on, and then he couldn't beat the second defender, but no one was moving toward him. There was no – the movement was very static. You had a bunch of guys standing around in the area. Um, again, their energy may be sapped. 
And at that point, I re- I, that's when I, I thought, okay, these guys think kid who's 18 years old, who's, who's played uh, uh, 90 minutes seven times in the last, uh, or sorry, over 70 minutes, uh, 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 seven times in the last 30 games between FC Dallas and, um, and the USMNT, that this guy, they're going to rely on this guy to bail them out when he's the youngest guy on the pitch. And I, I think that there was a, a decided lack of leadership at that point. Um, and that's something I'm concerned about with this, this side, because I think you have you, – this is where the question of a guy like, uh, like Michael Bradley comes up, right, or some player who's, who's in you know, late 20s, early 30s that could be that guy. Uh, that's been through the wall wars. You know, Leggett is is, is 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 pushing thirty now, but he's been so he's been so on and off in his career because he's been injured so much. Uh, again, I mean, I I've gone on record saying we would have qualified for the World Cup last time if Leggett hadn't gotten injured. That's how highly I think of him. I think he gets us a point somewhere that we we one of the games where um, we needed a point, whether it's down in Honduras, whether it's Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, whether it's Costa Rica at Red Bull Arena, I think he helps us get a point somewhere. Um, but there's no mm-hmm. leadership on this on this team, and you have a coach who's not been through this before. So that that was really evident tonight. When you're playing against a team that has uh, turned over much of their squad, but still has guys like Godoy and uh, Cummings and others, a few others that were that qualified, Darrow, a few others that qualified for the World Cup last time. And that had been through the disappointment of eight years ago when they were minutes away from qualifying and Aaron Johansson, uh, uh, was it Johansson? Whoever, Graham Ducey scored for us. Right. So they have a team that is more experienced and we need leaders. And I don't know who that guy is. I don't think it's, it's Rainer Pulisic either. Uh, maybe it's Weston and he wasn't there when we talked about that. Uh, Tyler's not yep. the most demonstrative guy. But we don't have one of those really character personality players uh, like we had with Carlos Bocanegra, who would get in guys' faces when, when, when things weren't going well. That was the thing I loved about Boca. He wasn't, he's not the greatest player in U.S. men's national team history. He's far from it. Um, but you had guys like that um, and, 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 and Clint Dempsey, just guys with a lot of energy and character. And then that's, that's that generation. You go even further back, you have, you have lots and lots of those guys. Um, I don't know who that guy is on this team. I mean, Zardis is now a veteran, um, but you don't have anyone, with the exception of John Brooks, who of course is hurt, and that's uh, that 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 has been that was a problem today. Obviously, not having Brooks. Um, although I don't know what the status would be. Would he be? Uh, maybe he would have been in more trouble too, because it's a regular country. I don't know what Germany is doing about Panama, but um, Brooks might have to be the guy that provides that leadership because he's the only guy who's been in the World Cup. If I'm thinking offhand. Uh, on this team, and he's the guy that we know when he's fit, at least at the club level, is a beast. So, and he just, you know, he's demonstrative. He leads by example. Uh, but without Brooks, I mean, look, I, 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 uh, I thought Walker Zimmerman uh, didn't have a great game uh, today. I think McKenzie didn't have a great game. Uh, Zimmerman looked like he was really struggling at the end. Uh, maybe he was hurt. But, uh I would still blame the problems, the central defenders. I wouldn't single out McKinsey and, and Zimmerman the way I know some fans will, because I think the problem was immediately in front of them with those three midfielders, or particularly the two. Musa, Musa and, uh, and Acosta were horrible tonight. 
I, I will say this, Kardec, and maybe a lot of people will be upset when I say it, but you know what? It has to be said because if you're looking for a leader for this national team right now, and if you're looking for somebody that's going to go out there and calm these young players down when they have the ball or when they're just, they just don't know what to do and, and they need to find a way to you know, follow someone who has to do the job, and maybe, just maybe, that player also needs a little bit of redemption after what happened uh, four years ago. And if that player who needs redemption, probably the biggest, because you know my complaints about with Michael Bradley, why he's bringing the ball up in a deep midfield role. If Greg says to him, you're winning balls on, to help out the back line, but you've got to move the ball up and you've got to at least pass it along you know, to whoever's on your flanks. Allow the flanks to bring the ball up. I know you want to bring it up from the middle and everything else going forward, but the truth is, is this, Cardick, if you need a wily veteran out there who is available to go out and help these kids make the next step better and easier, I'll say it right now. Give him the chance to, you know, for redemption, bring back Michael Bradley. Yeah, and he couldn't have played any worse in the midfield. So you have the leaders, you have the guy in the dressing room. If something happened in the dressing room before the match that spooked them, uh, who knows, maybe it was a fight between two players. I mean, we, we don't know what happened, right? Because they came out so flat um, from minute one. Uh, you have the leader that can, right? You have the leader that can yep. um, get in the face of young kids and, and, and stop whatever's going on. Uh, because I think we now know uh, um, there was a lot of criticism for the U.S.'s performance against Canada, right, in Nashville. But we now know in hindsight there were yep. problems between, uh, between uh, Weston McKinney and uh, other players. And uh, uh, the rumors are that both Pulisic and Adams wanted McKinney sent home, which he was sent home, right? But um, That's right. it disrupted the team. That's right. Um, so, yep. so we don't know what happened for this match because the U.S. was off. And I will tell you, the other point is Bradley brings the leadership. He'll bring you that leadership in the dressing room. He'll bring you that presence on the pitch. He also cannot have played worse than Acosta and Musse did today. It's tough away from home in CONCACAF. And again, uh, Panama was coming off a, a pretty stunning result, a result that everyone here in CONCACAF, in, in our part of the world, we, we were on early other night, kind of shocked by, by that result with Panama losing and thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, they're in trouble. They're, they're, they might be out of this thing if they don't get something in these next two games. Well, now they got the three points. Even if they don't uh, get a result on Wednesday, they'll be, uh, they'll be in the mix. So they're playing a team that's also got, has their backs against the wall, which happens a lot in yep. Cup. happens a lot in World Cup qualifying. There's these quick turnarounds. So you need a leader. You need a guy that, um, that has been through this before. I remember there was a match. We did a show after that game, Daniel, with years ago. Klinsman was still the manager um, against yep. Trinidad and Tobago down in, in Port of Spain. Um, and that was not the game we lost, right? Not the game four years ago at this very moment that we, we, we were down right. to nail um, right. At this moment, because it was an 8 o'clock kickoff Eastern time. But remember, it was a game in the first round of qualifying, and we felt like, okay, things are kind of getting away from us. We just need a guy to put a foot on the ball and slow the tempo down and play some passes and get us out of there with a nil-nil 
and that was Michael Bradley. Remember, we had this the same show the night, the, that that night, and we talked about that Bradley yep. slowed the tempo. He calmed the game. He even at times put his foot on the ball, sat on it for a second or two, then picked the pass. Um, to the point where, because we had, had we, oh yeah, we had lost to Guatemala. That's what it was, right? We had lost down in, yes. uh, in Guatemala City. It was that, yeah. So we could not afford yep. to lose to Trinidad or we were going to be out. So what happened was that we, Bradley was the guy in that match. And I remember having a conversation after the match with you on here saying, hey, I know Clint Dempsey's the leader. He's the, he's the, he's the big dog on this national team. But Michael Bradley showed me leadership on the pitch that the other guys aren't showing me that night. And, and we got through that, and obviously, uh, well, we know what happened uh, you know, after that, unfortunately, in the next round of qualifying. But, um, yeah, I, I think there needs to be a leader. I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to think who else is a veteran player in Major League Soccer or an American playing abroad. Then maybe you need to call Tim Ream back into this national team. Maybe that's another guy. I know people that's don't want him to probably another play. guy. Yeah, maybe they don't want Timmy Ream to play. That's fine. But I think you want Timmy Ream in that dressing room when you're going yep. to places like Panama City, when you're going to places like we're going to have to still go to Costa Rica. We're going to have to still go to Azteca. Um, and what's the other way, Matt? We're going to have to go to, to Jamaica. Um, we've had yep. a tough time in Jamaica. We, I remember the time we needed Brad Evans to score a goal in stoppage time to beat him down there. And then obviously they beat us here once. Um, and that was in the Gold Cup, actually. That wasn't in qualifying. But, yeah. So I, I, I think maybe you recall Timmy Ream, and um, if he's not going to play, he's not going to play. That's fine, but you need that guy in the dressing room. And this is the thing, Daniel, I think so many of our fans don't understand. They, they freak out whenever the, the, the squad is picked. Oh, Berhalter picked this guy. Oh, Berhalter skipped this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's an idiot. Fire him. I, I'm just so sick of it. And they don't realize what is involved in the actual I, uh, composition of a team. When you travel together, you have meals together, you train together, and then you go to a hostile environment in Central America or the Caribbean where they, they want nothing better than to beat the United States. You know, maybe they hate Mexico even more, but they hate us a lot. So um, a lot of our fans are freaking out about things. Like if they see Tim Ream on a roster, they freak out. Well, now with this result uh, as evidence, this is why you need a guy like Tim Ream in your dressing room. Maybe something went wrong before the game. Maybe there was a fight between two players. Maybe the lights went out. I don't know. I, I, I'm just speculating. Could have been any of those things. Um, but we clearly were not prepared to play. And it's not always the fault of the manager. Sometimes it's the fact no. that the players don't have a leader that, take, that steps up and puts the guys that are acting out in their place. And I thought Greg made the, per, the proper substitutions at the start of the second half. I thought that he was, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, on the front foot. He says to, uh, his, uh, he says to his coaching staff, I got to make subs at the, at the start of the second half. You know, as soon as we get back on the field, all right, Tyler, you're going in. Brendan, you're going in. And, you know, he made the subs. And, and what he did yeah. was everything was positive. It was positive at the start of the, of the second half. First 10 minutes of the second half, the, they looked more engaged. They looked like they're on the front foot. Okay, you just got to keep on going forward. You know, brand new energy coming in. And then, of course, the goal happened. But then you don't have someone on there to say to the guys, hey, listen, okay, we let this one in. 
It's okay. We're still in good shape. We can get one back, and we can get an equalizer, and we're going to find a way to at least, you know, find a way to tie this game so we can get a goal on the board. Other than that, Panama had nothing else. All Panama did was just get their goal, and they basically just defend, defend, defend. If they have moments of going forward, they'll take it. But they really, all they did after they got their goal was defend, defend, defend. And probably they should have done more against us, but they didn't. And this is a game where, this is a game where the U.S. had an opportunity to get the equalizer. There were no second chance balls. No, even, not even, you know, not even a full chance at times. Half chances, I would say, uh, here and there. But the truth is, the Panamanian keeper, I didn't see the Panamanian keeper have any issues against us whatsoever. Zero shots on goal in this one. How is that yeah, possible? I, I do not save. know. I guess, I guess he didn't make a save. I guess he didn't have to make a save, nope. right? He didn't have to do it. Nope. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure if we'd have a shot on target or not. Like I said, I thought it was the worst game going forward since the game in Mexico in 2013 where Guzan made a bunch of saves and Klinsman was very uh, was very clearly playing for a nil nil um, the whole game. Now I know uh, Klinsman's backers all like to say he was a great attacking manager that was transforming the U.S. But the, the match in Mexico City, which we got a result in, right? I mean, it was, it was a great yes. result, but uh, ev- yes. evidence to the contrary. And this is the worst we've looked going forward since then. So okay, we didn't have a shot on target. That's uh, we probably had, did have a shot on target in Mexico. So this might be the first time we haven't had a shot on target in a qualifier since God, I don't know. Like, uh, yep. Steve Sampson, heck, maybe the the, uh, the we Probably. had a we had a really bad game in Costa Rica under Arena, I think in two thousand and five, maybe yes. maybe that yes. game where we lost three 0 might have been that game, maybe the worst. It worst might have been that game. Then. Yeah, yeah, I so would agree with you on ago. that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, let's update some scores real quickly here. Uh, just real quickly, about five minutes ago, Mexico converted their second goal of the match, so now they're leading Honduras two goals to nil in the 81st minute. The other matches are finals. Canada goes down to the office in Kingston, and then it gets a nil-nil draw against Jamaica. And El Salvador had an opening goal uh, in the first half. They had a one-nil lead, and then all of a sudden, at the National Stadium in San Jose, down in Costa Rica, the Ticos score two goals, and they defeat El Salvador by a final of two goals to one. So, Cardiff, at the moment, the table reads as this in CONCACAF right now. Until it's a final whistle in uh, at the Azteca, right now, you have the United States in first place on eight points. Uh, Panama also on eight points in second. Currently, Mexico on eight points, but it looks like they're going to get three here, so they'll probably jump back at the top uh, with eight. Uh, U.S. has a plus four. Panama has a plus three. Uh, Mexico, if they're probably going to – now it's 3-0 Mexico. Mexico – oh, I'm sorry. They're just showing uh, second goal again. I, my fault. My bad. I thought I thought there was another goal by Mexico. No, they're just replaying the second one. But if Mexico holds on to this one, Mexico will retake the top spot in the table of the octagon, and they'll go up to 11 points. So it's going to be Mexico in first if they hold on, U.S. in second, Panama in third, and the U.S. – uh, has a right now uh, a plus one on the differential than Panama, as they have three Panama, U.S. with four. Canada right now on that draw in Jamaica, they are in fourth place in the playoff spot uh, with seven points. 
with the victory for Costa Rica. They are in fifth with six. El Salvador is in uh, basically uh, in sixth place with five points. Honduras, eventually they're going to lose this one, so they'll remain at three. And Jamaica getting their second point in this final round will get two, but they are in dead last. So, yeah, U.S. right they, now, uh, still in the top three, Cardick. Yeah, uh, Jamaica's in trouble, but Jamaica's uh, getting some of their back. They were a red list country, so they didn't get, they didn't get the players they needed released in the last, uh, in the last uh, uh, September. I'm really concerned about Honduras. I think they're, prob- they're, they're, they're close to being done. Um, the way they collapsed against the U.S., uh, their performances have been really poor. And obviously now at Azteca, they're going to need, I don't know who they play Wednesday, but they're going to need to get three points. Uh, they're in trouble. And uh, a shame about El Salvador. They jumped out to that one nil lead uh, and then uh, uh, gave up a penalty. But uh, Hugo Sanchez doing such a good job with, with them. Um, they're, they're not going to qualify. We know that. But they actually, Hugo the fact that he's gotten this far. Yeah. The fact that he's gotten them this far is pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. So, yeah, I think you, really let's is. see what, what, what happens between us and Costa Rica on Wednesday. Because I, Costa Rica still has some of their veteran players, but they're, they're not, Brian Ruiz got a goal today, right? Um, which, which, mm-hmm. which was important for them. But those guys haven't been performing well at the international level. I think Panama, um, based on what I saw tonight, might sneak in there for that fourth spot. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming Canada finishes in the top three. I think Panama might edge out, uh, um, uh, might edge out uh, um, uh, uh, Costa Rica, which would be pretty remarkable. Costa yeah. Rica has either made the World Cup or made the playoffs uh, for every World Cup, every in every cycle uh, this millennium. You know, the last uh, four cycles that would be five cycles. So, yep. Um, yep. Yeah, that would be pretty remarkable if Panama beat them out and Canada beat them out. So Mexico, Honduras. It looks like Honduras is down, uh, is is down a man too. So that's just disastrous yeah. for them. That is disastrous so for them. So we're gonna. Right? So Let me just say we're on eight points, and I think if we get three points on uh, Wednesday, that gets us uh, really close to where um, we can start to breathe. And we know yes. it with that match. Uh, it was at Red Bull Arena last time. Uh, this time it's in, it's in Columbus. But it was that match right. that um, that sent us down uh, the chutes last time because we went into that, that Costa Rica qualifier having won the Gold Cup, uh, having played well at Azteca, having crushed Honduras and San Jose. That was the game where Legette got hurt, by the way, um, and, right. and uh, didn't come back, right? So he was, wasn't back that year, and, and we missed him. But um, – it was that Costa Rica game that we never recovered from. We had the game against uh, Panama and Orlando, which, of course, I, I remember calling into your show, leaving the Citrus, uh, uh, sorry, leaving Orlando City Stadium, uh, all, all uh, pumped thinking we were in the World Cup. But that, was, that game was actually an outlier in the way we played uh, at the end of the World Cup qualifying. We were terrible otherwise. So that's the concern, I guess. The good news, Daniel, is I think we're, we're really conscious of the fact that we've had trouble with Costa Rica. And... Uh, Berhalter knows, knows that, which is why, again, Robinson, Getz, uh, uh, McKinney, Stefan, they didn't make the trip. And uh, you are uh, going to see a full-strength full U.S. squad with Pepe starting, with McKinney in, in, back in the team, with Adams back in the team, uh, with Robinson and Getz back in the team uh, on, on Wednesday. 
and we and we should get to 11 points, and then this this match, as as poor as it was, uh, is in, is firmly in the rearview mirror at that point. Yeah. I mean, that's what it has to be on Wednesday. I mean, I said at least this, Cardick, in this window, in this October qualifying window, the minimum has to be six points. You've got two home yeah. games. So far, uh, success in Austin against Jamaica this past Thursday. But, you know, I thought that at least they were going to get – they had to get at least a point here uh, down in Panama, which they did not. But now they really need to get the big home win on Wednesday in Columbus against Costa Rica. Costa Rica, let's be honest with ourselves right now, Cardick, while they finally got their win um, in the qualifiers in this window, Costa Rica is really you know, on a downturn. Uh, as great as some of those players have been, as wonderful as those Costa Rican players have been playing, and yes, Kaylor Navas is also a solid goalkeeper playing in Europe, uh, doing well uh, for himself in Europe right now. The truth of the matter is this. The, the players in front of him are not what they used to be, and it's up to these players now. You're going to come home, go to Columbus, Ohio, go and down, which is – I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm actually saying this. They're no longer going to be playing over at Historic Crew Stadium. Now they're going to downtown Columbus, which is going to be a complete shambles of affection and love and, and everything else. And I know probably everyone in Columbus wanted the USA-Mexico match, uh, as always, but, you know, look, um, someone else is going to get it. It'll be their neighbors in Ohio and Cincinnati in November. But before you, even, you can even look at that one, this team needs to find a way to dominate Costa Rica at lower.com field. And, you know, they're just going to have to learn how you, you're going to have to find a way to get the necessary points to go out and advance in the standings. Because right now, this match, it's a blip. Um, it's not good enough. It's only their first loss. In uh, five, but still, though, a loss is still devastating because you didn't pick up any points at all. And while people, while the teams below them in the bottom half of the octagon did not advance that well, maybe except for Costa Rica, but we don't know uh, what they're going to do to you know, add on to their win over El Salvador. The truth is, is this. If you can keep... El Salvador, Costa Rica, Honduras, and Jamaica, if they continue to fall all over themselves, then the U.S. will qualify for Qatar. And, and I think when you look at uh, Costa Rica, you mentioned uh, their players, Borges, uh, uh, Joel Campbell, uh, uh, Brian Ruiz. These guys were all around in the 2014 cycle. In fact, Brian Ruiz was, was one of their stars, uh, when they still had Santano and some of those players in the 2010 cycle. Um, in fact, he scored both goals at RFK in, 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 the, uh, in that final qualifying game where, where uh, Jonathan Bornstein's goal sent them to the playoffs, right, and put Honduras through. So you're talking about 12 years later. They're an aging team. Uh, Calvo, Calvo is still playing for them. There's a lot of players we're familiar with from MLS and, and from CONCACAF, from the battle, guys who played in World Cups. But I absolutely think they're on the downward swing. Uh, in fact, I mentioned Jamaica had uh, effectively a B team, a team of USL players, um, in the in the September qualifiers and, and got hammered in the other two games. But they got a point against Costa Rica uh, with a B team. So that is another indication that Costa Rica is in trouble. I just watched the uh, 
the um, penalty, uh, the uh, the foul, uh, the, the Salvadoran keeper didn't make much contact and didn't have to even make the contact he made. So I think Costa Rica really got bailed out there uh, tonight in San Jose. Um, I'm expecting three points on Wednesday. So that gives you your minimum of six. And then you go into the next set of qualifiers, including the game against Mexico um, in Cincinnati, with an opportunity to put some distance between yourself and the chasing pack. Again, it's not about finishing first. It's about finishing in the top three. Because let me remind the listeners who may not have been fans 20 years ago when you and I were, were, were doing this in the obscurity, Daniel, when, because soccer was a lot less popular. The U.S. finished third in qualifying for the 2002 World Cup. I mean, Costa Rica was the best team in that half. Uh, Mexico finished second. Uh, and we finished by some distance third. You know, we were very lucky to qualify. And, um, and, and we qualified because we had started well, right? We were terrible at the end of qualifying. What happened that next summer in, in South Korea? We were a bad call away from being in the semifinals. So um, winning the hex, which we did in, in for, for six, which we did for 10, which we win for 14, did for 14, it doesn't get you any bonus, right? I just want to make sure we're, we're in the top three. That having been said, we have an opportunity still to, to put, put some distance between ourselves and the rest of the Confederation. Um, January, we have to make the trip to Canada. That's going to be tough. And we have to make the trip to Mexico in March, right? March or yep. January? We're good. March. March. Yeah. March. So uh, it's different this time, right? We, we, because of the World Cup, because of the pandemic, and then because the World Cup is in the winter. Um, look, uh, it was exactly four years ago. At this, uh, at this moment, this was, it was halftime at this point in Cueva, and we were down 2-0, um, that we were eliminated from the World Cup. Um, and so I, uh, I feel like we're in a much better place this, this, uh, this time. That whole, that, that, that whole cycle, uh, there were problems. There were problems in the qualifying round, as we talked about. We needed that result in Trinidad. We needed that nil-nil to advance. Um, and then oh, and then we needed a win in Jacksonville, right? There was a game in Jacksonville we had to win uh, against uh, somebody. Uh, I can't feel if it came on and, and had a couple goals. Uh, I think it was against Trinidad uh, also. Um, but we mm-hmm. had to win that game, and then struggled through through the hacks. Um, it went down to San Jose and got embarrassed four nil. Um, so. It's, it's, it's not all bad, right? I mean, everything is better this go-round than last time, and we have to keep some perspective on this. Am I happy with tonight? No. Am I concerned about some of the things we saw? Lack of effort, uh, 50-50 balls, Panama winning 80% of them, which is, should never happen in any match. No team should win 80% of the 50-50 balls in any match, right? It's, uh, that's why they're 50-50. Right. Um, but we have to keep this in perspective. Compared to where we were in the last cycle, we're in much better shape, and we've had this problem with the pandemic and not having all our players available. We haven't had all our players available at all thus far in qualifying, and we still have our head above water. So um, I, 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 don't, I don't feel good after tonight, but I'm, I'm still positive. I'm still pretty upbeat about where we are. No, I don't feel, I don't feel bad about tonight at all. I mean I, I mean, I feel bad for the loss, but where we are right now positionally – um, I don't, I, I don't feel nervous at all. I don't think we're going to, uh, have any issues moving forward, but once again, um, we just can't have a repeat performance on the road the way that 
our players just basically just completely crap the bed. So they just can't do this. Officially in uh, at the Azteca, final score, Mexico defeating Honduras by a final of three goals to nil. So now officially um, with them winning, they will go to top of the octagon with 11 points. And um, second place right now for the United States. Third place right now is Panama, both on eight points. But the U.S. is ahead on the differential by a plus one. And then Canada is in the fourth position in the uh, international playoff with seven. Costa Rica in fifth place with six. El Salvador in sixth place with five. Honduras in seventh place with three. And Jamaica in uh, last with only two. And for the games this coming Wednesday, Cardiff, here's the schedule. Canada will be hosting Panama at BMO Field in Toronto. Honduras will be hosting uh, Jamaica at San Pedro Sula. El Salvador at the Estadio Cus Castellan will be hosting Mexico. I want to see what Hugo Perez will do against uh, Mexico, and uh, we'll see what he will be able to do. And once again, uh, the United States will be hosting against Costa Rica at Lower.com Field in the brand-new facility in downtown Columbus. And, you know, uh, that's going to be a party, Kardec. I know the tailgating is probably over with, uh, no longer at Historic Crew Stadium, but I'm telling you right now, I would love to see the block party happening in the arena district in downtown Columbus. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, and I think that's something that we uh, we have used to our advantage until obviously the loss um, in 2016 to Mexico, uh, which was uh, uh, energy sapping and morale sapping. But we've used that that energy that comes from into the stadium in Columbus. That's even there before kickoff. I remember the game in 2013. Being, I had gone to the game in 2001, by the way, for the first time we played them there. Um, but I remember the game in 2013 watching on television, and the energy um, got to me on TV, right? Like I said, I had been to one of the qualifiers in Columbus before in 2001, but on television, it was that dramatic. And I'm talking about 15, 20 minutes before kickoff. Um, yep. So. It's not Mexico, it's Costa Rica. Maybe it won't be the same, uh, but maybe we'll have that energy and excitement. I'm looking forward to it. So am I. I mean, I would love to see that energy happen. I would love to see that happen. But once again, uh, the only way that energy is going to be out there is, uh, you know, when the uh, USA players are going to go find a way and uh, dig themselves out of this hole. And it's not a deep hole like it was earlier, I would say. But the truth is, is that we cannot have another, basically, a bust of a performance to start the match and then let it roll all the way to the end because if they do that again, Cardick, it could be even worse. It could be deeper into the scheduling, and it could be in one of the January-slash-February games, or it could be in the March games, and we can't have that. Cannot have anything like this ever again because... I know it's still a little bit new for some of these players, but still, though, this is what happens when you're going through CONCACAF. This is what happens when you need to talk about basically, basically a crap performance of what we saw tonight down uh, at the Estadio Romel Fernandez. 
Yeah, I think that that that's absolutely right. And you have your three you have three difficult qualifiers ahead um, away from home. So just win your home matches. You have um, you you have uh, um, four more home matches. So if you get twelve points from those matches, um, you're there. You're on, you're on twenty points. And you don't have to worry about anything else. 20 points was usually not enough to win the Hex, right? We, we had 22 points, I remember, in 2005. And we had 20. Maybe we had 20, actually, in, in 2009, right? I remember that after that uh, Costa Rica match. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's an extra ma- a couple matches. So you may not win the group, but with 20 points, you will, you will qualify. You'll be one of those top three. So just win your home games. Um, be nice to take the, the thing about the points the thing about the matches away from home if you get a point you're taking points off of another team uh, uh, they're not getting a full three points at home so that's strategically important now obviously we've already dropped two points at home losing Canada or drawing Canada um, so uh, but we could still get 20 points and that's got to be the goal 20 points you get in yep exactly Absolutely. Well, guys, um, well, I should say Cardiff, it's only us two, but um, uh, another uh, match, uh, you know, that bites the dust. And uh, hopefully uh, we uh, will see them have a better performance against Costa Rica over in Columbus. And that'll be on Wednesday night uh, at 7 o'clock Eastern. That'll be once again on ESPN2 at home. And then uh, we get to the November qualifiers, and it's only going to be two at this time. So, Cardiff, thanks again for joining me tonight, and uh, have a good night, and I'll talk to you soon. Yep, same to you, Daniel. Thank you. All right, no problem at all. That's Carter Krishnar from World Soccer Talk. This is Daniel Feuerstein here on the 14th Fire American Soccer Show. After 90 minutes down in Panama, the United States fall to a final of a goal to nil. They are in second place right now, tied on points with Panama. And now... They got to finish this October window strong. They must get three points to make it six in this October window. Thank you very much tonight for listening to us. Have a good evening. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now. Talk to you this coming Wednesday night.